We're kicking off a brand new series, and uh, I shared a little bit about it last week, and it, we're going to be in the book of Galatians. It's going to be Galatians chapter 5, if you want to get that open up now. And if you don't have your Bible, you don't have the uh, Bible app on your phone or tablet or iPad, I would encourage you to get that because, you know, it gives you a chance to have an unhand Bible. But if you don't have it, you can look at it. It's going to be on the screen, so you just follow along that way. So this new series that we're doing is called Battle of the Fruits, and it's one that I've been working on for a little, a little while, and I say a little while because it's, it's been probably like a good three years when I first got the idea for this message. And it started as simple as, um, I like to draw, and when I draw, I don't really have like a specific thing in mind that I'm going to draw. I just start drawing and see what, what, I, what I make or what comes out. And so... And that's what I drew. And as I was looking at it, I was like, man, that's very odd. But I have an odd mind, so it wasn't that off. But then I was looking at it, and I thought, man, fruits versus another fruit. And then my mind went, oh, isn't there a passage of Scripture that talks about fruits? Oh, yeah, the fruits of the spirits. And, the, and you know, you have to be in my head to kind of follow the thought process because if I try to explain it to you, it would take a while. So I'm not going to do that. But out of that came the idea for this message about the fruits of the spirits. What the fruit of the spirits are and how God has given us these fruits to be able to live a life that is pleasing to him. And so the plan and the goal for this series is to look at each fruit that is talked about in the book of in Galatians chapter 5 and then to look at what really the difference between the fruits of the spirits are and the fruits of the world. What it looks like when you're following Christ and you actually, and those fruits are evident in your life, and what it looks like when they're not. Now, how many people here enjoy fruits? Good, that's a majority. Now, in my household, fruits is something that lasts maybe a week because we go through it really fast. I love it. The kids love it. Honestly, if if they weren't related to me by blood, we might, we might be fighting over who gets the most fruits in our household. But thankfully, we're all related. But when it comes to fruit, we really do go, we go through them really quickly because it doesn't matter what it is. It could be bananas, strawberries, grapes, whatever kind of fruit. Mangoes, we go through them fast because not only do I enjoy just eating them, but we also, I like to make smoothies with them and try to do some what's called green smoothies where I put... Uh, uh, some green vegetables with it, like um, spinach or things like that, where I put them in a smoothie. And it helps because Janika's not big on the greens, and so, but she'll drink a smoothie. And so it kind of sneakily getting her to eat her greens without her eating her greens. But a lot of us, some of us I know for a fact, has, have plants in, that have fruits and in your yards. But if you had not spent the time to nurture those plants, to nurture it from the seed to what it is now, you probably would have had it cut down because it wouldn't be doing very well. 
The thing about fruits is that if you don't take care of the plant that is producing the fruit, it's not going to do very well because you're not keeping up with it. You're not nurturing that fruit or that tree. See, all those fruits started out as just a seed. Just like the fruits that God has placed in us, we continue to develop because we're dealing with different situations. We're dealing with different people in life to where you find sometimes you need more of one than you do the other. How many people in here have ever found yourself saying, you know, asking God for patience? And then later you're like, Lord, I'm sorry that I ever asked for more patience. And if you have kids, you know you need it. But the truth is, we ask God for more of these things, and we can because he gives us that, because every situation is different. And so sometimes you find yourself in a situation where you need to be more loving towards somebody that maybe you feel like has wronged you, but you don't know how to show them the love of Christ the way that they need to experience it. And so you ask God, can you teach me how to be more loving? Maybe you need more joy in your life and you find yourself asking, God, Lord, can you fill me with more joy? Can you help me to see my situation in a different way so that I can be more joyful? Or maybe you, can be kind, you find yourself on being unable to be kind to everybody and you ask God to help you to show you how to be kinder to people. All these different fruits are things that God has placed in us, but there's always room to grow. We have opportunities daily in how we're going to deal with people, how we're going to act, how we're going to react. Sometimes some people are easy to deal with, and there are times it's hard to deal with people. And you, and you do need to ask God to give you more or whatever you find yourself in in that situation to help you deal with whatever it is you're dealing with. And so we nurture our fruits by spending time with God. We nurture our fruit by putting them to practice on a daily basis. When Jesus was speaking to the disciples and the many of the people that were listening to him, and he told them what the main command, the two commandments are. He summarized them. He says, you're to love the Lord with all your hearts, with all your mind, with all your soul, and then you to love your neighbor as yourself. That's a lot of love. Because if you don't know how to love God, then you're going to have a hard time showing love to everyone. And if you don't know how to really love yourself, then you're going to have a hard time showing that same level of love to other people. How can you replicate something that you don't understand, that you don't have enough experience living out? See, to love God with our everything means we have to love him from the bottom of our heart, from our spirit. Because it goes deeper. It's supposed to be more than just surface level. So let's go ahead and jump into it. We're going to start at verse 13. It says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Now, this is Paul teaching 
the Galatians. He wrote a letter to the Galatians, and he's teaching them all these things because they've been experiencing quarrels among each other, teaching them what it means to walk in the freedom that we have in Christ. Because if you consider yourself to be free, and you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, then he's saying, hey, now that you're free, you can't just live however you want to. You can't say that I believe in God, I believe in who he is, I accept him, but then you continue to live the same way as everybody else. So being free does not mean we continue to purposefully live according to our flesh. We forget sometimes that just because you have the freedom to do something doesn't mean you should do it. And that rings true for not just for when we're following Christ, but really everywhere. Just because we have the freedom to do something, to act certain ways, doesn't mean that we should do those things. And that's what he's telling them. He's telling them, hey, your freedom of Christ means you have to be different than everybody else. Because if you're acting like everybody else, then how will people know that Christ is in you? Because then all they see is just another person that's acting the same way. They don't see change. That's the thing about having freedom in Christ is that there's a transformation that happens in your life. To where you're not who you used to be. You're not perfect, but you're not who you used to be. So I say walk by the Spirit. That's verse 16. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. My second point for you this morning is that you are to walk by the Spirit. See, when we accept Christ, when we accept Jesus, he, he told us that he would send the Holy Spirit to be our guide, to be the advocate. He, he did that the moment we accepted him as our, as our Lord and Savior. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us the Holy Spirit to help guide us as we are trying to walk with him. The problem is sometimes we forget that we have the Holy Spirit as our guide. And that's why he tells the Galatians, it is a daily battle between what you want in the flesh and what you want in the Spirit. Because the, the Spirit wants to follow God, but the flesh wants to follow the world. The flesh wants the temporary pleasures of this world, whereas the flesh is looking more for the eternal rewards of God. That the things of this world, they come and go. Money, all these different things that people pursue, you can't take them with you when you die. But when you follow Christ, you know that when you die, you're promised an eternity in heaven with the Father. 
You're promised something that is eternal, something that goes beyond what we have here on this earth. We're promised that there'll be no more pain, that we won't have to really struggle to experience love, to experience joy, to experience all these fruits. It'll be a lot easier for us when we get to be with Him. But right now, we have to deal with the battles of our flesh and our spirit. And we have to put in the work. We have to be willing to make the choice daily. Are we going to allow our spirit to lead us or are we going to allow our flesh to lead us? See, that's why it's important that when you start your day, you make sure that you start it with God at the forefront. Because if you start your day without him, I don't know about you, but at some point in the middle of the day, you'll find yourself looking for a moment to where you can invite him into your day because we need him. We need him to lead and to guide us throughout our day. We need him to show us what to do, to show us what not to do. When we walk by the Spirit and we are led by the Spirit, what we find is you have to go to God for answers. You have to go to Him for different things. Sometimes the things we, we think some things are too small to bring to Him, but really, how often do you spend time really checking your spirit to make sure before you respond to somebody, before you say something, that you're supposed to say something? And that whatever answer you're going to give them is being led by the Spirit and not by the experiences that you have in the flesh. See, when it comes to dealing with people, dealing with life, there's times when people do things to you and the first response that comes to you is a worldly response. And... There are times we don't stop and really ask God, hey, should I really respond that way? Rather, we're so caught up in the moment that we just go ahead and say something. But what we don't think about is that you may have just pushed somebody away from wanting to come to Jesus. Because they are looking at you who say you're a Christian and then you turn around and say something that push that you may not even realize they may have that's the thing you don't know where people are sometimes all it takes is one thing for them to go i don't want anything to do with this christianity stuff look at the way they're acting look at the things coming out of their mouth look at the way that they're look at how they're treating other people cuz you never know how responding in the flesh might cost somebody their chance at being a part of God's kingdom. See, we all have opportunities to represent the gospel to somebody. And there's always people paying attention and watching to see what you're going to do or how you're going to do, especially if they know that you're Christians. Now, I'm not saying we are living our lives because we want people's opinions, attention, or anything like that, but we have to be aware of those things because we can't go through life with blinders on thinking that what we do or say don't have effects on people. But rather, by being alert and being aware, 
we make sure that we're checking ourselves with God. We're checking our spirit so that when we say something, when we act a certain way, we make sure that it doesn't show the wrong impression of Jesus to people. That's what it's supposed to be about. Which impression of Jesus are people seeing when they look at you? Or better yet, do they see Jesus when they look at you? Verse 19 tells us that the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom. Living by the flesh will cost us our inheritance. What I mean by that is we are, suppo- we are, to be, we are inheritors of the kingdom of God. We know we're, we're promised an eternal life, but if we continue to live according to the world, live by the flesh, then that means we're choosing to turn away from the Spirit. That means we're choosing to turn away from what God desires for our lives, the way He wants to change our lives. That means we're going the complete opposite way. And the further away from Him you go, the further away you are from His kingdom. Paul is very clear in this passage. I mean, he lists several things that, are, that we see today in this world. And clearly, these are things that have always been around. So there's really nothing new. But he wants us to recognize those things so that we know the pitfalls or we know what the world is like compared to what we are supposed to be like as Christians. And that's why he tells them about the fruits of the Spirit. That's why he told them that the fulfillment of the law falls under this one, love your neighbor as yourself. Just take a moment to think about that for a second. If you know how to take care of yourself, and you know how to love yourself, and you know how to put yourself first. Now, all of a sudden, he's saying, well, now you need to put your neighbor first. You put their needs above yours. You treat them the same way that you would treat yourself. If you wouldn't want people to you know, look down on you, then don't do that to your neighbor. If you wouldn't want people to mistreat you, to curse at you, to yell at you, to do all these different things, then now turn around and treat your neighbors the same way. Don't do those things to your neighbors. If you wouldn't want people going after, say, attacking your families, attacking, doing all these different things, why would you do it to your neighbor? to show hatred, to show discord, all these different things that really destroys relationships and friendships. 
See, God wants to mend those brokenness and, and those broken things in our lives. He wants to mend the relationship between us and him, but he can't do that if we are not willing to accept that. If we continue to turn away from him, then how is he going to fix those relationships? That's why it's important that we make sure that we go to him no matter how big or how small the problem might seem. Because we want to make sure that we're walking according to his will and not ours. We want to make sure that we're using our fruits the way he wants us to. And now we get to the part, the most important part really of our series, which is where we're going to be focusing for the next couple of weeks. There, He mentions nine things that are part of our uh, that are part of the fruit of the Spirit. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Now, if you go back to verse 19 through 21, I'm pretty sure he named more than nine things that are as part of things of the world. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, hatred, discord, jealousy, all these different things that he names. But then when he gets to the fruits of the Spirit, there's only nine of them here. The Bible tells us that love covers a multitude of sin. In other words, the love of God covers all of our sins. It doesn't matter how big or how much you think you've messed up or you feel you've screwed up. Where As long as you come to him, you ask for forgiveness, you repent and you turn to him, his love covers your sin. And so that means that are the sins, the mistakes that we make in life, all these things that he named as fruits of the world, we don't have to stay in those. That means there's a chance to be able to turn from them and turn to God and turn towards the fruits of the Spirit. We need to show people what it looks like when you live by the Spirit what it looks like when you have these fruits within you, what it looks like when you have the love of Christ within you. As we go through this series, what you'll find, especially starting with love, is that for us, love, we use it for a lot of different things. You know, I love my friends. I love my family. I love to eat. I love to sleep. It, one word, but we use it for lots of different things for a lot of different things that, to express how we feel about them. But actually, in the Greek language, when it comes to the word love, there was actually four different words 
that they utilize to express love. Each one of them covered a different acts of love, whether it was uh, being intimate. One of them was, for was to do with how you love your friends and your family. And when one was for actually the love that you have for God or the love that God has for us. See, it's not as simple as just saying, I love you, because there's more to love. At least it's supposed to be more, sur more than just surface level. You can say, I love you to somebody, and really it just means that it's really surface level how you really feel about them. But when you look at the God's love, the love that's unconditional, the love that is filled with sacrifice, and then you start looking at it that way and you say, well, as a Christian, I'm supposed to love people that same way, unconditionally. Be willing to sacrifice to show them how much I love them. Then it gives you a whole different outlook of what love is supposed to be. And when you look at joy, peace, you know, we just did a series where we looked at who God is and we talked about being made in his image. We talked about how he is the God of peace. And Paul is telling us that that same God of peace has placed that same fruit within us. See, being made in his image means that we share, we have some of those characteristics in us and we're capable of showing them to people. It's just sometimes we don't know how to or we don't want to, if we're being honest. Sometimes it's easier to be mad than it is to show love. Sometimes it's easier to just walk away and just ignore people because you don't want to deal with them than it is to show them kindness, to show them Self, to show that self-control or to show them the love of Jesus. But you can't pick and choose who you show that love to because if that's the way God showed love, can we honestly say that we would be here right now? So if we're going to reflect his character to people, that don't know him, we can't be picky and choosy about who needs him. Because we all need Jesus. Even those of us that have given our lives to him, we go through things in life to where we go, Lord, I can't do this on my own. I need you. I need you to guide me. I need you to lead me and show me the way. And once he's shown you the way, now you get to be a living example and a living reflection to others. See, that's why Jesus gave us the command to go and make disciples because it's not going to take just one person. It's going to take more than one person showing people what the love of Christ is supposed to look like for them to know, hey, it's the real deal. when the church stands up and begins to show a united front of what God desires or how God loves us, how God loves those that need him, not, no matter what walk of life you're in, no matter where you find yourself, 
what you're struggling with, what you're dealing with, that we show them there's, that God died for them. He knew where they would be. He knew what they would be going through. He knew that we needed him. That's how far ahead he's, he plans out. So how, I hope that as we go through this series that you will find yourself redefining how you show these things to people, how you show love to people. Redefining joy. Redefining what peace looks like in your life and how we can help people to experience the same peace. See, the battle of the flesh and the spirit is very real because the spiritual battles is a constant. Even and Paul tells us that our, our battle is not just against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual and the, spirit, uh, the authorities of this world. Because just as you know, we're trying to show people his love, there's also the devil trying to show people that God doesn't love them. Showing them that the, the lust and the desires of their flesh is much more important than following Jesus. But we have to make sure that we stay consistent in showing people who God is and how much he loves them. So as we go throughout this week, I want you to really begin to think on that. Think about which of these fruits. Maybe there are some of these that you are really better at than others, and that's okay. I like to think I'm very patient because I've had to deal with not just my kids but other people's kids in ministry because I've, I've done children's ministry for a long time now, so I've, I think I've gained a lot of patience that's why I don't ask God for more. But then he gave me two daughters that likes to go at each other, so I don't know. Maybe he thought I still needed it. But there's all these things that we need. Maybe you have faith, but you need more faith. God tells us that we can ask for more faith. Maybe you, you know how to be kind, you know how to be kind-hearted, but there are days where it's just hard, and that's okay. You can ask him to give you more. Maybe what you need, and I think that this one is probably one that a lot of people need, not just, and I'm not just saying in the church, but in our world, self-control. That we begin to pray that God would give people a, something, a revelation to begin to recognize when they're going out of control. To begin to recognize when they're going too far. See, our focus from the beginning of this year has been about looking at what it looks like to belong to God and becoming more like Christ. 
And that's what each of these messages have, are gearing us towards, is to look at when we say we belong to him, are we taking steps to become more like Christ? Because to say you belong to him, but yet your life does not reflect Christ, then you have to wonder, well, maybe I need more of his fruits to be more evident in my life. And I don't know where you find yourself in this spectrum, whether you, maybe you have them all and you can recognize them, or maybe you don't usually recognize them when you're dealing with things in your life. Maybe the prayer we should be praying is that God would show us when to use each of these fruits, how to use them in a way that helps the kingdom of God. Because at the end of it all, it's not about us. It's about reaching people for Christ. And so if we can show people or we, or we can use the fruits that he's placed in us to lead people to him, then all the more reason to ask him to make it more evident so that people would see it and experience it through us. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you that you would send your Son to not just die on the cross, but then you would give, you would give us a way to live in a way that leads us closer to you, to become more like you. Lord, as we begin to uh, take time to examine ourselves, to examine what it means to follow the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, what it means when we begin to show the fruit of the Spirit to others, Lord, would you just begin to work in us, Lord, begin to show us which of these fruits do we need to work on? Which of these fruits do we need more of? And Lord, remind us daily that it's not about us, but it's about reaching people for your kingdom. Helping people to know that you are real. That you are who you say you are. You're the Alpha and the Omega. That you love them. That you care for them. That you see them. And that you want to transform their hearts and their lives for you. Lord, cover us with your grace and fill us with your power. God, we love you. We praise you. In the name of Jesus Christ, your son, we pray. Amen.